exploring faith journeys, and hearing inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, you are listening to The Cumberland Road. I am your host, TJ Melanoski. Today's guest is Reverend Dr. Mitchell Walker, Sr. He has been serving the Church Street Cumberland Presbyterian Church in America in Huntsville, Alabama for over 22 years as a senior minister. In our conversation, Mitchell shares a lifetime of experiences, from receiving a call into ministry at an early age, establishing healthy boundaries, and seeing the church do ministry in a virtual environment. We talk about discerning holy nudges and the realities of clergy burnout and the challenges of living a life of faithfulness to God. You are listening to the Cumberland Road Podcast, and here is my conversation with Mitchell Walker. Mitchell, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Please share just who you are and where you're serving and what you've been up to. Well, my name is Mitchell Walker Sr., which uh, differentiates me from my son, who's a junior, and from his son, who is the third. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I grew up in uh, in uh, the rural, a rural community called Rock Spring that was just outside of Dyersburg in West Tennessee. Uh, that's home of a small community. Um, graduated from Dyersburg High School. Um, I went to Bethel and graduated from Bethel in 74 and then went to Louisville Presbyterian Seminary in 74 and graduated from there in 77 and um, moved to Cleveland, Tennessee after graduating from seminary there and stayed there for uh, a little bit over 23 years as pastor of the St. James Cumberland Presbyterian Church in America, and then uh, received a call to, um, uh, in that conversation with the congregation here, Church Street, uh, Cumberland Presbyterian Church uh, in America uh, in 2000. And so I started here uh, September 1st, 2000. And so now I'm past the 20 year mark. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in, in order to have a uh, really uh, uh, a, a tenue that you can really brag about. I piece all of my years together because I'm not uh, looking forward to being here. Someone said that uh, when they celebrated my 20th year here, uh, we uh, wish you have t- to have 20 more. And I, I said no. <laughs> so I'm here in Huntsville, Alabama, which is now the, the most populous uh, city in the state. We're, 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 we're the we have the highest population now. So I've been here 23, 20, 22 years uh, now. Uh, I'm married. Um, my wife, Elaine, uh, she met, I met her at Bethel, as a matter of fact. That's one of the gifts that Bethel gave me that I was able to take with me. <laughs> uh, and we got married in 74. And uh, uh, 
Um, so, and, and we have children and grandchildren, uh, those precious grandchildren. And uh, so I, I enjoy being uh, being where I am, And uh, but I'm looking towards the other end of, uh, of, of pastoring right now. <laughs> well, what does uh, retirement in the future, not now, but retirement in the future, what does that look like for you? Uh, I'm trying. I'm standing on my tippy toes, trying to uh, discern that. <laughs> uh, you know, certainly, uh, certainly, there'll be certainly parts of pastoring that I will certainly miss. Um, even though it's a challenge, uh, you always get ready for Sunday. Sunday comes pretty yeah. quickly. Um, even even when you have a plan, preaching plan, it still it still comes uh, comes on the heels of the other one. Uh, I, I'm not real sure. I, I, I think you know I, I, I have some preparation in um, um, counseling, um, and um, I, I want to do some writing. Uh, the, I, I've got a couple of things uh, that I want to write, and so uh, fishing. I, that's where part of my my retirement will be. Uh, <laughs> even even if I don't catch anything, I'll go out there and relax. So. Right. <laughs> More so than I do now, so yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's on the horizon. I just don't have a, a target date yet. Well, as you said, you were discerning, and discernment yes. process can can be a long period of time, a long season. Yeah, the, you you can probably bring your arms in a little closer than than you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but that that's that's who I am. In terms of uh, life seasons, uh, Mitchell, is there a time when uh, you felt extremely close to God and and the opposite of that? Has there been times in your life where you felt at a great distance? And, and what was that like? Let me start from the reverse of that. Uh, I think the, 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 the distance... Uh, time period included times where um, I was dealing with um, conflict is issues in the church, <laughs> which uh, which God did not seem to take my side and uh, resolve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're laughing so, now. Was yeah, uh, yeah I was not up? laughing then. No, okay. <laughs> it was it was, uh, it, it was uh, uh, a gnashing of teeth <laughs> times at that point. But uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, during those times of conflict, when when you're trying to um, provide leadership uh, to the church and work with folk who are uh, who who you uh, believe is at a certain point in their faith journey in terms of spiritual maturity and and understand the priorities of uh, God's call of the church. And uh, sometimes uh, when that gets lost and and it's uh, kind of a battle of the wheels and, um, you know, and I, 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 I deemed myself to be on the side of God. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so when folk don't want to follow <laughs> or cooperate, then uh, that's a whole uh, whole nother issue. So I think those times of conflict have, you know, because you, you know, you, you're, you're trying to work through things and and you sometimes at least I did not sometimes uh, feel the presence of God and see how God was working in even in the midst of those times of conflict and challenges uh, were the times that I felt most distance from him. 
the times that I felt closest to him uh, includes right now. I, I mean, at this point in my life um, and my faith and my ministry um, that has been given to me and trusted to me, uh, this this is the time that I feel closest to him. Um, having uh, reassurances of his presence and his work in my life, um, and you know, sometimes through me and sometimes in spite of me, <laughs> uh, I uh, I feel. Uh, Phil, uh, I've uh, come to that point of really having a peace and a calm and um, an assurance uh, that uh, were not as profound as they are at this point. <laughs> I want to take a side tangent, if if we may, on um, the conflict that you were uh, referring to in your ministry made me think of the uh, clergy burnout, you know, it's a topic, a growing topic in the last 18 months. And, and, you know, some call it burnout, some call it a clergy crisis. Mitchell, what do you do to keep healthy mentally, spiritually, and physically? Uh, physically, um, uh, when it's warm, <laughs> I, I do, do walking and jogging, the, the, you know, my orthopedic doctors is, told me not to jog anymore. I was in the chaplain in the uh, military for uh, reserves and National Guard for about 10 and a half years. And so I, when I started in the with that, I fell in love with running. I, I just love to jog and run, but uh, the knees, the pounding of the knees on the pavement the, the, is not good. And and sometimes I'll, uh, uh, I'll um, not pay attention to my uh, orthopedic. And when I get out and walk, and my wife won't walk with me most of the time because she said, I know you're going to jog. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we don't do much of that uh, together, but I, but I tried to, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to get some exercise in. I was a member of a gym initially before this um, pandemic hit us. And then I kind of back out of that. Uh, and, and then just getting away and just finding some space and time from church and ministry and to just uh, renew and get refreshed. And, you know, I, and I do that really with spending time with uh, the wife and then the times that I have times with the kids. I take vacations every year. I mean, that's that's a part of my routine to just get totally away. Uh, I, I, I mourn the fact that, uh, that the cruises have been hit as they have been because every year, for some years now, uh, my wife and I would, uh, for uh, part of what we do is to celebrate our anniversary and her birthday, which are one week apart. When I married her, I was just so in love. I didn't notice <laughs> that there were two significant dates <laughs> that were so close together. We got married on August 17th and her birthday is August 24th. <laughs> and so we've kind of rolled those two uh, occasions together and uh, we have uh, gone on cruises or just, just taking a vacation, just getting the time away to take, take some downtime. And then, and then just uh, sometimes, uh, you know, just uh, on, a, on a day when, when you're feeling like it and, and, and you, and you say as one chaplain uh, supervisor uh, told us at uh, Erlanger Hospital in, in uh, Chattanooga, uh, you, you, you've got to decide what enough is enough. And, and so you got to, so to take a nap, I don't feel guilty about that sometimes taking a nap <laughs> in the, the mid afternoon. <laughs> uh, to make sure that I keep my I keep, keep my health up because I, I was going through some physical battles with my with blood pressure back a few years ago spiking my uh, primary health uh, provider uh, said to me uh, you can't take care of other folk 
unless you take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's uh, so that that has helped me. I remind myself of that and do what I need to do to do that. It's, in terms of spiritual spiritual um, um, upkeep, I uh, you know, of course, the readings and studying and and, and having some quiet time and, and and even doing my walking to just uh, take time to you know observe what God has created around us and placed before us to see it and and. And, and, and slowing down a bit so that I don't miss something that uh, uh, God has uh, has put before me. So, um, so spiritually, you know, it's, it's the reading, it's the meditation time, it's it's the, the quiet time, uh, just being with Him, and uh, not necessarily just for sermon preparation time, uh, but uh, just just to uh, experience His presence, to hear His voice. Uh, as I strain to do that, uh, in, in order. Order to, in order to keep myself grounded, um, uh, so that's that's kind of what I do to take care of my physical, mental, and spiritual health. Yeah, I think as uh, ministers, there is that temptation that every time you open up the scriptures for study, it is the mindset of uh, sermon preparation, and I think that we can have trouble as clergy separating the two in terms of reading simply as a disciple and as a follower of Christ, and then reading the scriptures in terms of a future sermon, an upcoming sermon. And one, there's two different ways to read the text. Yeah. And um, so thanks for bringing that up because that, I think that's a challenge for those who are serving a church and who do regular sermon preparation that opening up the word can almost feel like a vocation. Yeah. 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 Just, just opening up the word to uh, spend that time with God in terms of the listening to what the, 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 the word is saying to you sometimes about you yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and just getting that kind of, refreshing inspiration from being uh, with him uh, with not a purpose of again again creating something out of that but just to know him better and to grow closer to him uh, and to be able to uh, in the midst of all the other voices of demands that are calling uh, to be able to sharpen my uh, my auditory uh, uh, skills of of hearing him uh, amidst all the other stuff. Well, in that tune of uh, the relational aspect with God, what is it about that relationship in Christ that really just keeps you coming back and identifying with this faith? It's it's it's, uh, it, it's who I continue to discover him to be, and, and I know I would never ever exalt exhaust um, my getting to know him. Uh, so like Paul, I, I want to know him. I want to know him. Not uh, you know I, I don't want to just read to 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 get sermon help and and, and guidance in terms of uh, of. Uh, developing sermons, but, uh, or speeches or whatever I'm doing, uh, you know, I, I really do want to know him. And, and the older I get, the, the more I want to really know him and, 
And um, so that's uh, that's that's one of my primary goals. I mean, you know, and if, if you, you mentioned earlier about the uh, burnout, I mean, surely this has probably uh, been the most taxing time uh, of uh, my pastoral ministry, having been out and doing most things virtually, uh, managing all of our church ministries virtually, uh, trying to keep us connected as a congregation uh, uh, in the in the strongest ways we can so that people feel uh, loved and cared for and uh, that that someone is there for them um so it, it's, it's it's been a real that part of it has been a real uh, a real challenge yeah and trying to find ways to care for ourselves to be the best caregivers and spiritual guides that we can as ministers of the gospel that's a tough balance yeah yeah it's it's a it's it's an ongoing challenge and 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 um and we have to do all that we can to 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 try to keep ourselves centered and focus faithfully focused on uh who we are and uh why we're here and discerning god's call for our lives and our ministry and the collective ministry of the church uh so that, that's an ongoing, and it takes time away from other things. I mean, you know, the, it, living in a community uh, like Huntsville and every community, you know, I, there, there are so many other demands upon your time. You know, people calling and want you to be a part of this and come to this and would you participate in this or, you know, and, and so you really do have to kind of uh, protect um, your calendar, your schedule, because if you don't, <laughs> some somebody else will take charge of it. <laughs> <I learned>. <laughs> so uh, that's what I do. I, even even with the congregation, I mean, you know, certainly even with our congregation, I have to have to have to make sure that I I keep some healthy boundaries and not lose myself in 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 the fact that I'm pastor of church street I'm I'm, I'm uh, my mother used to help me uh, with that before before she, she deceased in 2007 and she would say boy <laughs> you 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 got to take you need to take care of yourself because you have a wife and you have children and you have grandchildren uh, that you need to uh, stick around here for as well and so uh, that that has helped me to uh, to to remember uh, my first church is, uh, is my is my family my wife and my children and grandchildren that's my first church and then and then and then I, 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 is anybody from church street gonna hear this <laughs> <laughs> but that is not unapologetically that that is my first church and uh and then the church that i pastor of course is it has its place uh, but i got to keep those uh, uh separated as much as i can or at least managed. Mitchell, did you grow up in the church? What What do the early years of your faith look like? Oh yeah, I was uh, I, in in that small community of Rock Spring and outside of Dyersburg in Dot County in West Tennessee. Uh, my dad was an elder of the church. My, my grand, his dad was an elder of the church. Uh, my mom was active in the church, sung in the choir and, and uh, participated. And so, uh, yeah, my, my early, earliest beginnings was in the church. I've, and so I've been kind of, uh, I, I guess, uh, I've been around the church 
everything happened in the church except me being born exactly <laughs> in it. Because <laughs> back then, back then, church life was, uh, we were talking uh, the other day with some folks and, and remembering the old, the old days uh, when in, in that day you grew up in the, and when you grew up in the church, you were there Sunday morning, you were there Sunday afternoon, you were there Sunday night, you were there Wednesday night, you were there, whenever the doors came open, I mean, you were, uh, you know, pretty much there. So, you know, yeah, my uh, my earliest beginnings grounded me in the uh, Cumberland Presbyterian Church. I mean, our denomination at that point was called the Colored Cumberland Presbyterian Church uh, back then when I when I was growing up. That then uh, we changed the name later to Second Cumberland and now to Cumberland Presbyterian Church in America. So uh, my, my whole life has revolved around the church. My call was early age in the church, um, um, you know, so I've, I, I have just been in and around the church all the days, pretty much of my life. What, what I did not make intentional decisions about, my parents did for me <laughs> before that. <laughs> well, let's talk about your call to ministry. Did it come at a young age? And, and how did you know that God was speaking to you as a calling to the Word and the sacraments? Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was just a... Uh, knee high to a pup <laughs> when, <laughs> when uh, I uh, discerned at, at that time, I was just a child uh, and said to my parents that uh, uh, God has called me to preach. Uh, and uh, my church gave me opportunity to uh, do that at an early age. Um, I was licensed when I was actually around, uh, I think, 12 years old. And wow. uh, um, ordained when I was 16. And so I have been in this uh, ministry uh, for all of my life. I, I, if, it's, if it's one thing I know for certain is that God called me to preach. <laughs> folk, can, folk can say or believe whatever they want. I, I, won't, I won't debate that with them. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, that's, that's something that I know that I know that God called me to preach. The pastoring part, I've had continuing conversations with him <laughs> at different intervals about pastoring. <laughs> But I love pastoring. I mean, I, I do. I mean, you know, I was doing those conflict tabs and I said, hey, God, I mean, can I do something else? <laughs> and I and, and I think what what I also realized was that that pastoring was where God wanted me at, at that time is, is because uh, I uh, tried to get out of it in the midst of some conflict that was going on back um Gosh, that was early on in pastoring after seminary. And uh, what I discovered was that uh, God would not let me go. <laughs> he wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. I tried and and and, and God, um, I, I remember the church that I was serving as youth minister of in Louisville. It was a PCUSA church, church at the time. They were then not even come back together then. And so that church, when I graduated, they did not have a pastor. And I've been to church working for a couple of years as youth minister. And um, so I, I was in this period of conflict at the church where I was serving. And so I said, I know what I'll do. I'll call them and see if they got a pastor. And uh, back at Shawnee Presbyterian Church in West End, Louisville, 
Louisville. And, and I said, uh, and so they didn't, and they wanted, they actually wanted me to stay when I was youth minister. Uh, so I, I said, I'm, so I, I took off, my wife and I took off and we drove to Louisville one weekend and uh, I sat down, talked with them and they talked with me and we decided what the next steps were going to be. And, and the most miserable 300 miles of a journey that I've ever had was on my way back from Louisville because it was like God was saying to me, I did not give you release <laughs> to go there and, and, and do that. And so I, uh, I got back and, uh, and in spite of our relationship that we had, uh, I had with the church there, uh, I didn't call them back. They didn't call me back. And uh, that was that was that. And then it went on for a while longer. And I said, uh, I'm, I'm out. Of, I am getting out of this this conflict. And so then I uh, uh, found out at a, at a Georgia General Assembly meeting in I think it was in Knoxville, I believe uh, that uh, that I was not had not past the, the age limit for military chaplaincy. And so um, I talked with the, the chaplain that presented that day uh, to the Joint Assemblies and um, uh, I got the packet, I filled out the packet and sent the packet in. And, uh, you know, periodically I would call him and ask him, you know, had, had he received it? And he said, well, it's probably around here somewhere laying around, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll get to me. And, 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 and honestly, after after a month, two months, uh, I, I determined that uh, God had me settled where I was, and 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 it was interesting because about a year to date, and and I did some work for the state, so I know that when we receive stuff, we times we date stamped it, uh, date received. And so about a year to date from the time that I had sent the packet off to D.C., it came back to me just as I sent it. And so it was even before then that I decided God did not, God does not want me to lead this church. You know, that's something for me to learn. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I know that, uh, that I, I grew through that process. So, yeah. You know, many experienced the introduction to the Christian faith at that childhood level. And it seems like, you know, as teens or young adults or even older adults, we begin to have questions. And sometimes questions doubt, and sometimes it moves from doubt to disbelief. Mitchell, do you think that there is room for doubt in the Christian faith? And if so, as a minister, how do you address doubt when it's expressed? Uh, you know, I, I think that we probably ought not to discourage people. Uh, and, you know, there, there's a doubt that is questioning, that is seeking to confirm uh, rather than to deny. And um, so I think, we, you know, the truth is all of us have dealt, uh, I, I speak generically, that, that uh, many of us, I'll, I'll say it like that, I'm kind of narrow it down that have had, had to deal with doubt, even in ministers. I think um, my first time of really dealing with serious doubt was when my father died in 1969. Healthy man, accidental death on his job. I'd gone to Ohio to work that summer. It was between my junior year and my senior year of high school. And uh, my mom was a little more sick like my dad. My dad was always well. He, he, nothing was ever wrong with him, but, you know, a little arthritis. Uh, but uh, one week from going there that for that summer in 1969, 
Um, my mom called me uh, on a Friday night. Um, I had just left the Saturday before and told me my dad had died. And I could not understand. It, it, was, an, it was an accidental death on the job, but I, I, you know, I could not understand why God would allow my dad to be taken from us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I and, and this, you know, and, and sometimes that's why I caution people about church folk, about being, having all the answers and having all these cute little sayings that we say to folk when somebody dies, that's, that's our beloved. And sometimes we make matters worse rather than making it better. We confuse and and cloud people's understanding of who God is. And so when people said to me then, well, God wanted your daddy. <laughs> and I said, but I wanted my dad. <laughs> I wanted him here with us, uh, with my mom and with my brother and I. And um, so it, it was it was hard to reconcile uh, the will of God uh, you know, as as it was stated then uh, to what um, what, what I what I, des- I I desired, and 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 and, I, and to be honest, uh, uh, TJ, I, I stayed angry with God for years. I was preaching, I was pastoring, I was angry with God because God took my dad. He missed all of those momentous events in my life, uh, and, uh, and 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 it was because I kept hearing this echo uh, in my head of those folks that was saying, well, God wanted your dad and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, uh, uh, you know, wh- wh- why is God so mean? <laughs> why, why, why is he so uh, uncaring about uh, the concerns of my life as a as a young person growing up, as a child growing up? Uh, so I think there's definitely room for doubt, you know, and, and doubt sometimes is it only allows us the opportunity to confirm what we're questioning uh, is not seeking to denounce it or deny it, but to confirm. I think maybe that was really the case with Thomas, with Jesus after the resurrection. Uh, you know, he, so so doubt is uh, doubt is something that we may not may not be pu- publicly polite to acknowledge, <laughs> but it's it's something that we deal with. Yeah, I, I think I think as ministers, I think as Christians, we we need to be honest and more transparent that doubt is a human <clears throat> a human emotion and um i think as as leaders in the church we can help people navigate with questions with doubt with disbelief and and, and it's a form of evangelism as in how does the gospel speak to us today wherever today has brought us <clears throat> and um which kind of leads to my next question is, uh, Mitchell, where do you see, where do you see God today? Where do you see God in your life today? I, I, and I know he's always at work. And so I hold on to Romans eight twenty eight um, that in all things, God is working together something for my good, our good. Uh, even though I may not understand it, even though I may not discern it, even though I may disagree with it, which many times all of those things are, are true, but that that God is present, that God is perfecting what concerns him about me. And um, and so I, you know, it's, it's a struggle sometimes to submit to the perfecting, progressing, um purpose of god in my life 
but uh, that's that's uh, that's kind of where I am. It's it's a it's a challenge sometimes to just uh, be open and uh, to open myself to what God is allowing, uh, because whatever He's allowing, He has purpose in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I may not understand it, but uh, it, it's it, it's a conclusive matter. We you know we know that all things do work together for good. God God is at work now, and and I see Him helping me to provide leadership in this time of uncertainty, this time of fear, this time of doubt, this time of of. Um, of, con- of, of confusion that that is not just in the church as we struggle and navigate ourselves through this time of virtual world and in-person world but but um, in, in in the in the climate of our country uh in 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 um, uh, the political arena the social arena um, that God is uh, God is at work with me, and every once in a while, I can discern those uh, uh, holy nudges <laughs> that uh, that uh, that give me uh, direction and instruction about uh, where to go. So God God is at work now, leading me step by step. I can't, you know, I'm always standing again on my tippy toes, trying to discern how, far out. I'm looking in the distance. I'm looking future futuristically, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm learning more and more to accept where I am and um, still to uh, look toward the future with hope and, and faith that, uh, that it's going to all work out. In, in the end, it, it all works out. Let's, uh, let's talk about the church, the church that we serve, the universal church, and you can narrow it down to denomination, you narrow it down to local congregation if you like, but what is the church, what's it doing right, and what is it doing wrong? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, I think what what we're doing right is that we are, this, this pandemic has helped us like persecution did in the first century church <laughs> to expand <laughs> uh, our horizon. Um, you know, we, we moved away from um, the limited uh, evangelistic outreach, uh, the congregational outreach, um, because we have had to now uh, you know, most all pastors have become televangelists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we have a virtual ministry now that reaches, I mean, the good news of that is that it reaches those that we were not reaching um, in, in the past. And I know there's, there's a, you know, I've been you know, trying to keep up with the narrative of, of how virtual world is going for church. And I was just reading an article last night that, 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 talks about the decline of those who were uh, on board and active and present uh, during the initial uh, phase of this uh, uh, virtual journey with the church and, and worship on Sunday mornings. Uh, but uh, that has now declined or is c- continuing to decline. And um, But, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that because of what we have already done in, in adapting uh, what we 
have been doing in the past in the way we've been doing it. And we find new and creative and innovative ways uh, to form, to, to do, to, to still be the church in, in the community. Um, that's what I have, that's what I noticed universally. I mean, it's not that we're not church, and which I, I read something the other day is, 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 is the church not being church because we, we've uh, kind of been exiled to, 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 to virtual land, uh, and, and, and we aren't. We're, 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 we're figuring out how to do, how to be church and do the work of the church in this virtual environment uh, for that space that we're in virtual environment, um, uh, and, and it's still be effective. Uh, so, so I think God is at work in the church, helping us to maybe get beyond the walls and to, and to see differently about the call that he has upon the church uh, so that we're not hemmed in by the walls of the building and that we still can be effective in doing what we do, even when all the people have not yet returned. And so, you know, I, we were, I had church session last night and, and uh, we, we, we were virtual and then we came back in person, but a lot of people still remain virtual. <laughs> and, and, and so then we went back virtual again because of the increasing numbers uh, here in, in uh, Madison County. And um, so we, then we were talking about going back in person, but what we realized is that we're gonna have to have uh, a dual platform. It, it's, it can't be either or anymore, I think, for those churches that survive. And, and, and some of the things that I've read and heard in webinars and, and readings is that churches that survive and and that will do best in this new uh, new new time uh, are churches that are going to be able to operate do, dualistically in both environments, in person but also virtual, uh, and and figure out how to do that, and 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 maybe figure out. Uh, I think we've. I think it has also caused us to uh, get with God about what the priorities of His kingdom business is about, you know, and 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 we've uh, slurfed off some of the stuff that we. Were were doing that was not essential, uh, that were not the essential elements and call of the church. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can say for us, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we pared some things down. We've, we've uh, shut down some stuff that, that, that uh, even in worship, I mean, even in worship, I think that we come to think about as we look at the confession of faith, as we look at the Bible, you know, what, what's really essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we do those things uh, um, in 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 conformance with those things that guide us. But uh, I, I think the church is uh, the church can come out of this, or is coming out of this, uh, uh, energized. I, I think I hope. I mean, I, I understand that some churches are having real struggles. Some churches are closing. Uh, churches have uh, um, who who are already on the verge of, of, because of some struggles of having to decide what they were going to do and how they were going to do it and if they were going to do it, um, are, 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 are having some serious issues because of finances, um, which are putting a strain on pastoral employments. <laughs> I understand, you know, there, you know, churches are moving some, I, I, at least I understand that, you know, some churches have, have had to decide whether they can afford to have a full-time pastor any longer. Uh, so uh, the, the the church is 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 going through a process of of self examination uh, of uh, what's essential and what has God really called us to be and to do. From your perspective, where are some of the weak 
points of the church? Room for improvement. Um, I've been disheartened over the past several years because of how the church, how the church in some branches or wings of the church have embraced uh, the political arena in a way that to me conflicts and collides with the gospel message. The views and values that we get from the word of God, um, people seem to have espoused a person or a personality or and all of that that goes with them um, to the point that it seems that no longer do we um, live out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some things that are true and there are some things that are false. Uh, I, I've been disheartened by uh, the, you know, in some instances by the voices of some who are nationally known and prominent on the on the national church stage uh, in what they say and what they do about what, for me at least, uh, seems to be uh, entirely antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I so I, I I think the church is weakened by that. The church certainly has been divided, uh, is divided on some of these issues, and loyalty to to folk and platforms and and uh, so I I think when we on the one side accept that which we know is at least has been settled, <laughs> and yet we are discussing and to decide a, a new direction um, that causes the church to have a difficulty. Um, I've been encouraged uh, by the fact that uh, the church, the parts of the church across the board, universally, locally, have joined together to uh, talk about and talk through some of these issues that have been plaguing us since the beginning of this country. Um, you know, this is African American History Month. I would not dare conclude this time without mentioning that. <laughs> and and the fact that uh, that we now have arrived at a point where we sometimes don't want to talk about or have talk those things that um, uh, are very much a part of our history um, that, that uh, we live through. I mean, some of us are of age that we have lived through uh, some of the things that are facing us. And I, I remember a class that I had when I was doing my DMN at Columbia and uh, um, uh, Dr. James Cone was there and he asked a question in one of the classes uh, what does the gospel of Jesus Christ have to do with the poor, the suffering, the oppressed, those who are kind of cast aside? So I think the church is, is called and compelled to answer that call in a way that responds in some effective ways, meaningful ways.
I see myself as an optimist. And so we've talked about room for improvement for the church. I want to ask you, what is your hope and your dream for the church? That the church will hear to heed the voice of God. That for which God has always issued the same call uh, based on the same principles of his kingdom. Um, my hope for the church is that we won't allow the world to dictate to us uh, what is right and wrong, what's true and false, what is good and what is not good that we will um, hold fast uh, to, uh, to the faith that has once been delivered to us. That's what I hope. And, and, I, and I think in many ways we are, but in some ways we are failing. And your hope is that we reach that echelon of steadfastness. Yeah. Be, 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 be being faithful and, and, and maybe, you know, I, I, I know it's, it's, it's just kind of different, but to be faithful to what we understand God in Christ has called us to be and to do, um, to live out the faith. And, and because he's not just calling us to do stuff, he's calling us to be somebody. And our doings ought to come out of our being. I have a question that I thought of this morning, and I wrote it down for our conversation. I want to pull from your wisdom and experience. Mitchell, what advice would you give to a young person, high school, college age, you know, that's coming up in this complex world that we're living in? And they are like all of us seeking a life of fulfillment, fulfillment in a relationship and job and school and just life. How does the Christian faith answer that fulfillment? In Christ, we have a model. We have someone who has presented to us uh, the challenge of living a life of faithfulness to God. Um, and so to, and, and that's one of the discussions we're having here at our church. How, how do we come alongside of young people and others who feel conflicted about um, some of that which they are hearing and seeing and are and is being stamped as approvable. Um, how, how do you help young people? How do we help young people do that? Uh, I think, you know, we, we, we've got to stay in relationship with the first. We, we've got to know what their issues are. The, I mean, you know, rather than deciding for them what necessarily what they need to, to be doing and, and how they need to be responding. I think we, we've got to have a conversation with them. We've got to have a relationship with our young people uh, 
in order to be able to be able to minister to them in meaningful ways. Um, um, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they, they, they are questioners. <laughs> they are, they, they query us. It's, it's not as cut and dry for them as maybe it was for us at, at the point where they now are. Uh, because there are so many things uh, bombarding them from so many different directions that are competing voices. And um, so I think for our young people, we've got to make sure we don't lose contact with them, communication with them, um, having relationship with them uh, so that we can continue to impart uh, from our wisdom, experience, and, 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 and knowledge, uh, the things that we believe that will be helpful to them. That's, that's a part of my, uh, my uh, at, at 69 years old, I just said it, 69, almost 70, this is my 70th year, should the Lord let me see December. Uh, that's, uh, that's a part of what I believe that my calling is to my to, first of all, to my family, to my my children are all grown, but I've got grandchildren now. So my to my children's children, to help them to understand the significance of having a meaningful salvation relationship with Jesus Christ, a discipling, growing, maturing relationship with Christ, um, and out of that relationship to make decisions um, mm. for the directions of their lives. I, I mean, you know, that, that's because we're not gonna always be around to tell them what to do and, and you know, what not to do. And so, you, you know, I, I want my, as I want it for my children, I want for my grandchildren, I want for the children of the church, the children of the community to be able to have a, a, a kind of, a, to be birthed out of a womb of a Christianity that provides for them uh, the context of what they, uh, of how they make decisions and how they look at life and how they handle their relationships, uh, how they how they handle their partnerships, uh, you know, whatever that, whatever the, for the whole arena of their life that they can use their relationship in Christ based upon the word of God and what God has shared with us in his word uh, to, 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 to live out their life faithfully. Yeah. I've, I've just been thinking deeply kind of about that question and I wanted to write it down and, and pose it to you, draw from your experience, draw from your wisdom. I, I'm attracted to the inquisitive nature of the generations that are younger than me. It's not exclusive, but, and, and <clears throat> asking the questions why, and I think it's important if it's about faith that we not be shaken by those questions and defensive by those questions because something to be said to seek you seek out answers, you seek out direction. And um, I admire that about uh, folks who are looking at the faith and looking at it in an inquisitive way in the mix of the complex world that we're a part of. And yeah. I, hope, I hope that people are drawn to us to ask those questions as opposed to just um, making assumptions about Christianity, about Christians, about church, 
about the institution of church. Um, some of those assumptions may be right, but yeah. come with me and we'll figure them out or at least explore them together. We won't figure them out, but we'll explore yeah. them together. And I think that's the key, uh, TJ. That's the key. We have to feel comfortable enough and we have to be transparent enough to say that we too are fellow pilgrims along this path. Mm. That, 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 that there are still, even at the point of, of, of where we are in our lives and ministry uh, uh, and our faith journey, that there are still times that we have questions, mm. uh, that there are still times that we're still trying to figure some things out. I mean, there are some things that are settled that for us, but then there are some things that we're still trying to figure out. And we're always, many times, re-examining uh, what we believe and what we do through the lens of our faith mm. based on where we are in our journey. And, and, and probably if, if we could just be transparent, I mean, if we could just say it's okay, as you just said, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay to, it's okay to, to, to acknowledge that you have fears, that you have doubts, that you have questions, that you have disappointments, that, that the whole realm of the emotional part of us, uh, it, it, it's okay to acknowledge that and to and to come alongside of someone else who is working through that with us. Uh, um, I, I think, you know, I, I think that I've said that I believe the church would be so much better, would be so much healthier and happier and truer to, to herself if, if we took seriously, and I hope I'm not isogeting this, what James says, uh, confess your faults one to another, hmm. you know, confess the fact that we, there are some things that we may have had settled that now are, we're questioning. There are some things that we have questioned in the past that now has become settled, but that we're still on a journey that, 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 and it's okay to be where you are it, it, to affirm those who have not settle some things about their faith, about Christ, about uh, their own personal journey. It's okay for them to be where they are. And we don't have to, um, uh, we should not try to embarrass them, make them, demean them, denigrate them because they are where they are with the questions they have, the doubts they have, the concerns that they have. That it, It's okay to be where you are. And, 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 and I'm here to help you consider those things and walk with you through these times. Yeah, I think we spend, um, no, let, let me narrow that down. I think I spend um, quite a bit of time and energy hiding those faults that James is writing about um, instead of confessing. I think I spend so much time, well, I don't want you to know what my weaknesses are and my faults and my sin. Um, I don't think I'm alone on that, but I did want to change from we to I and let, yeah. o- let others draw, you know, kind of yeah. reflect on that as well. But the moment that I'm able to show the real me actually opens doors up to others are going, okay, I knew he wasn't perfect. See, I told you. TJ, he wasn't, he wasn't perfect. He, he, but I think we have to feel comfortable in admitting that first, 
so that when others see and hear right. <laughs> of our imperfections, that that it's not a um, uh, bewilderment, amazement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, Paul said there is no temptation mm -hmm. that is not common. Um, so, so I mean, everything that somebody experiences are something or some things that somebody else is experiencing. But if we think that we are the lone one in, in, in whatever it is, uh, we, we, we really can't be helpful to others. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I suppose that we, you know, there, there needs to be a, you know, we got place limitations on, on what we share, when we share, how we share, with whom we share. Right. But, uh, but just the general fact is that we're not perfect. And, 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 and when, when the Bible talks about us being perfect, it's not talking about human perfection. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's talking about being mature, mm -hmm. uh, moving toward a determined end of, of, of maturity, uh, more maturity. So um, I, I think if we can just, you know, take the, uh, the mass off sometimes, <laughs> and let folks see the real us in terms of these issues that uh, are sometimes conversing with our faith that uh, it, 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 that will help other folks to be okay. Yeah, it there's a difference between being vulnerable for vulnerability's sake, but then there's being vulnerable uh, in our faith is a different kind of vulnerability. And I think that is one of the things the world is looking for, true vulnerability to know that we share that in common and that we, we see as Christians Christ as a place where you can be vulnerable and be a lover of one another and the creation that God has laid before us. And it's a risk. But we're not doing it for ourselves. It's just a, it's a hard. I don't like this phrase. It's a hard sell. It's a hard <laughs> sell to ask uh, people to be vulnerable in the name of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think uh, TJ that also uh, aging, chronological aging helps. <laughs> uh, it can't help because I think as, as uh, they used to say back home, um, you know, when a person just says what's really on their mind that, uh, you know, it's, it's because they reached that point of feeling comfortable now <laughs> of, 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 of exposing themselves in, in that way. So I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's important to to be vulnerable to with each uh, the the wounded healer by Henry Nowen. That's I mean that was uh, when I got exposed to that one. That's that that helped me. That really helped me let some of my guard down. It's not all the way, but it's it it, it you know that 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 you know we have experienced some things in life. We deal with some things in life, present, past, to present tense that would, when we share them with others, we help them in their period of woundedness, in their period of, 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 of trials and, 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 and troubles and temptations. I mean, uh, you know, but if we act like 
wow, really? <laughs> I, I remember in seminary in Louisville, uh, Pastor O'Kear, professors said to us, if you really want to shut down uh, a time of sharing when somebody is sharing something with you, when they share something with you that really may catch you off guard, <laughs> is to let them know it caught you off guard, <laughs> to give them the look that like you're about to fall out of the chair, <laughs> right. so, you know, that, that you've never heard anything like this before. And so I think, you know, I mean, there, there's nothing that that's not common. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, it, it may express itself in different ways, different persons, different places, but uh, there's nothing new under the sun. And so we, we have a commonality in our humanity that we uh, need to share. Spoken like a true scholar. <laughs> that's why I put all these books behind me to stage it. <laughs> Uh, Mitchell, I've enjoyed this conversation. If folks wanted to uh, learn more about your faith journey, where would you like to point them to? Uh, me? <laughs> Come have a conversation with me. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some things that are on our website, our church website, you know, but that's you know, that's part of it. I've got, I, you know, I still have, I still have papers that I wrote in school <laughs> that, were, <laughs> that, 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 that gives the story of my life, uh, in, in some instances, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Conversation. I mean, one-on-one conversations or conversations, I think is where it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And folks can reach out to you, uh, church street, have a Facebook page, website. What are yeah. they? I, I don't want. I I ha, I am notorious with previous guests of bungling where you know websites and things like that. So tell people where they can find you and in, in those areas. Okay, our church website is www.churchstcpca. So it's church abbreviated for street and then cpca.org. Uh, that's our, that's our uh, church website and our, uh, and we have a couple of Facebook pages. Um, church street, Cumberland Presbyterian church in America is our main page. All right, Mitchell, thank you so much for laying your wisdom on me, your experience, and most importantly, sharing your faith journey. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity, and and I pray that you will just continue this forum. That it is helpful. I'll I'll certainly uh, look look to join in when when I'm not sitting here. Somebody else is sitting there. <laughs> uh, and for everybody who listened today, thank you for joining the podcast. Grab a friend and travel with me on the next journey down Cumberland Road. 